When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're alive. Let's get started. A reading from the Wisdom of Solomon. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster. And they're going from us to be their destruction, but they are at peace. For though in the sight of others they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive a great good, because God tested them and found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace, he tried them, and like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them. In the time of their visitation, they will shine forth and will run like sparks through the stubble. They will govern nations and rule over peoples, and the Lord will reign over them forever. Those who trust in him will understand truth, and the faithful will abide with him in love, because grace and mercy are upon his holy ones, and he watches over his elect. Here ends the lesson. The commemoration of All Souls Day um, is an old one, goes back to this three-day or really three-moment celebration of life. We talk a lot about funerals being a celebration of life. It's been one of the ways that our culture has tried to grapple with the seriousness of death. When we remember people that we love that have died, they seem to be so full of life, and we want to celebrate that life. There's a lot of discussion today about whether that's an appropriate term for a funeral, but I think it is. I think a funeral can be a lot of things. Every funeral I go to has a lot of laughter in it and a lot of crying in it and a lot of quiet reflection in it. All of those things are part of how we grieve. Uh, We remember the good times, the silly things people did that we love that have died the ways they loved us and surprising ways and things. We remember uh, the griefs of their life, the hard parts of their life that were difficult for them, and maybe even parts of their life that were difficult for us as we experience them with sorrow. And then that profound ache that we feel when we hear their voice and they're not there, where we want to text them or call them and we're not able to. We want to share a memory with them, and we're not able to directly the way we used to. And, you know, all religion on some level is an ancestor cult. As some have said, anthropologists have recognized this for a long time. One of the first hallmarks of what we see as humanity emerging uh, in early, early, early times, long time ago, um, is that people buried their dead with love and with commemoration. As much as I love my cat and other animals around me, mammals, 
of great intelligence and wisdom and love, they don't quite do burials the same way that humans have done for a really long time. And it is that recognition of where did this person go that we see the origins of human civilization developing in the archaeological or prehistoric record. You can imagine people in the early days who died in their sleep. We know there were many violent deaths in, early human, in the early human existence, but those that died in their sleep quietly at night as they grew older or maybe had an illness or something, and people looking at them, looking at their peaceful face and saying, where did they go? Where are they now? They're right here in front of me, but they're also not here in front of me. If you've ever been around someone who died, um, we wonder where they went. Where did that part of them that made them, them go? Where are they? And it is in that profound meditation and contemplation and questioning of where they are uh, that we remember that they are with God. That so much of our belief and faith in God comes from this very question, where did they go? And where will we go when that happens to us? And it is very clear from the earliest moments of Scripture, of our faith tradition that goes all the way back, that God has us, that we are in God's hands, that we come from God and we go to God. And that's always a mystery. Um, All life is a mystery on some level as we progress through it. But ultimately, death is the greatest mystery, the final frontier, as some have put it. But it is in contemplating that mystery that we really get to the heart of what it means to be human and what it means to relate to God. That the story of Jesus is a story of death. It is a story of profound violence at its beginning, profound questioning and uncertainty. Um, In the Christmas story, as beautiful as it is, it is full of very serious and scary things. The attempts on Jesus' life as he is just a little baby um, are there from the very beginning of the story. And then his constant speaking of his own death throughout his life. He refers to it often. He seeks it out. He goes to Jerusalem knowing what will happen to him. And then he is killed. He dies. He says he gives up his spirit. Into your hands I commend my spirit, he says. And there's silence and darkness and thunder and lightning. There is a profound dis-ease in the world. And that seems like it's the end. The people who watch it think that that's the end. They go to his grave expecting to find a dead body. But instead, they find that he is not there. And the first witnesses to that, the women, Mary Magdalene and others who witness that empty tomb and the apostles as they run to it to check it out for themselves, witness that profound mystery that he is not here, he is risen. And so the story of Jesus is a story of death and resurrection, and you can't have one without the other. As we grieve those that we've lost on this day and every day that we miss them, which is every day, really, um, we remember that 
Life is death and resurrection. Life in Christ is death and resurrection. That the amount of um, grief that we hold is equal to the amount of joy we will feel at that resurrection. Grief is the price we pay for love, as Queen Elizabeth said and many others have said as well. And that price that we pay for love is really hard and difficult. And we don't really know what happens to people when they die. Again, that profound mystery that those early humans pondered. Um, And maybe they were closer to God than we are, closer to um, the source of all life in some ways than we are today. But that question is still a mystery, and the wisdom of Solomon and other books in the Bible probe that mystery a little bit, that their passing is grievous to us, um, that they did suffer here on this planet in their life, but God is leading them into greater glory. And so when we pray for the dead on All Souls Day, when we feel that connection a little bit more deeply, the veil between them and us is a little thinner and a little more porous, and we can maybe feel them. Many traditions in the world, De De Las Muertes and others that seek to um, experience this in a fuller way, um, are always good because they they show us that there is very little difference between the dead and the living, um, that we are all part of God's communion of saints. And this mystery and why we pray for them is that God still has a plan for them, just like God has a plan for us. They are still growing in grace and in truth and in love in the deeper presence of God. I don't know about you, but I'm not fully ready for heaven. Even if I were to die today and be with God in heaven, as I believe and Christians confess, um, that's still a process. Um, That still is something I need your prayers in. That's one thing that praying for the dead reminds us of, that none of us are fully all there yet. We are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. That when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that paid the price for all that we have done and left undone. That we were justified in that moment, saved in that moment, reconciled to God in that moment. And yet we still grow in grace and the knowledge and love of God. Jesus certainly did that, born, um, born into uh, this world through the Virgin Mary, um, given life through her and the care of Joseph, born in that stable. And yet he had to grow in grace and, and wisdom and knowledge of God. Um, and so we do that too as we progress into the heavenly realms together. So we pray for those that we died, praying for their learning praying for their growth in love, praying for all those wounds that they experienced on this earth, that they will be fully healed as they grow closer to God. Because, you know, that's the, 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 if you ever played heaven when you were a kid, just reading that new Cormac McCarthy book, did you ever play heaven? Somebody asked the other friend, I forget who asked who that, where you just sit around in, in robes, white sheets and harps, and uh, be bored for a long time. And somebody said, no, I never played that. Why would I do that? Um, Because heaven, if it's just one little state of being where it all stops, where we never get any smarter or grow and all, to me, that doesn't seem like heaven for humans, maybe heaven for somebody else. I don't know. 
But heaven for humans has to be a growth process. And that's why we pray for the dead as well. We want them to grow in grace closer to God, just as we do that here. So trusting in God as God watches over us, that whatever happened to Jesus will happen to us and those we love, that we will see them again, that this is not the end, that there is always death and resurrection in God's kingdom. And we are experiencing but a foretaste of that here and now. Amen. The Song of the Redeemed, on page 94. O ruler of the universe, Lord God, great deeds are they that you have done, surpassing human understanding. Your ways are ways of righteousness and truth, O king of all the ages. Who can fail to do you homage, Lord, and sing the praises of your name? For you only are the Holy One. All nations will draw near and fall down before you, because your just and holy works have been revealed. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And the Creed, which also witnesses to the communion of saints, on page 96. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. For all souls and all the faithful departed. O God, the maker and redeemer of all believers, grant to the faithful departed the unsearchable benefits of the passion of your Son, that on the day of his appearing, they may be manifested as your children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For all souls and all the faithful departed, O God, the maker and redeemer of all believers, Grant to the faithful departed the unsearchable benefits of the passion of your Son, that on the day of his appearing they may be manifested as your children. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.